0: Welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 159, Jake and the Cash Man. This week in our first episode for 2013, Brumbies and
1: World Cup winning coach, Jake White. When I came across to Canberra, I just said, listen David, I want you to enjoy your rugby again. I want you to have fun. He survived a cardiac arrest and now
0: he tells his story to Rugger Matrix.
2: For a very short period of time, and only a very short period of time, I was technically dead.
0: This episode brought to you by Inside Rugby, the annual. Check out Rugg'A'Matrix.com for your discount. And as always, Strike, Australia's leading provider of Bluetooth car kits and other accessories. Enter the code RuggerMatrix when you go to strike.com.au and you'll get 10% off. Hello and welcome to show 159. And yes, we're in the new studio And, as always, joined by Mark Cashman.
3: It's great to see you in the studio as well. Casho, what do you think of the new digs? Bronk, as they say in that Code Rugby League, it's absolutely deluxe. (laughs) mate. It's it's absolutely fantastic, the new studio. All the bells and whistles, mate. Uh, Well done. Thank you very much. Uh, A lot of hard work over the summer. It is summer here and we're just enjoying
0: our nice little uh, Heineken brews. Heineken brews. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> During the Aussie summer And it won't be long before The Lions are in town, so pumped about that Don't forget you can see on the desk here The annual is still available, you can get that online uh, You had a few dramas with that Is that all fixed
3: for punters overseas? Absolutely, Brock They're uh, they're actually going out uh, they, they, they went out to our uh, many subscribers Overseas in the first week of January So listen, you should receive those Very, very soon, so good news there Alright, terrific stuff, great read
0: And Cash Cow, uh submitted today a yarn for you for the next edition so you're still pumping it out.
3: Absolutely, our Super Rugby Preview Guide out on Feb 13 so uh, mate, great story on Clyde Rathbone, uh, you know he's, uh, he's battled with depression and battled to get back on the field so listen it's a real good story, good feel, good story and some really revealing quotes in there mate, well done.
0: Thanks mate, really enjoyed uh, talking to Clyde, he's a terrific filler, I really hope he does well. I think the Brumbies will go okay this year so before we talk about things in Europe and 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 before we talk about our good friend later on, Bob Dwyer, as you heard in the introduction for Bobby D, he had a cardiac arrest. He didn't have a heart attack. A cardiac arrest. That means it was all over for him. And the good folk at Barrel Hospital got him back uh, on his two feet and he's doing pretty well. So uh, you've seen the interview Cash Cow. So we'll have the great man later on in the program.
3: Yeah, listen, uh, great story and great to see Bob still around, uh, as he mentions in the interview. Uh, at least it's not a photo of him, that's uh, only a photo that's left. So uh, listen, some revealing things there about um, his plans to uh, get back on the coaching paddock very soon. But without further ado, the Super Rugby competition is coming up very shortly.
0: We were the guests of the Brumbies at a Sydney luncheon the other day. The head coach of the Brumbies is Jake White and that's where Mark Cashman caught up with him on the
3: harbour's edge. Jake, uh, on, the, on the foreshore of Sydney Harbour here, it's a, a bit like a good
1: day on Lake Burley Griffin I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got to say, it's fantastic, when I look around here you can actually understand how beautiful the city is and uh, you know, I'd like to believe it's the same as Burley Griffin but we all know that uh, this is a special place, Sydney.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Jake, uh, Brumby's surprise packet in 2.12, what can we expect in 2.13?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, as you, as you know, I mean, Mark, you've uh, in your columns thought we wouldn't get much of a hit last year and we obviously surprised a lot of people. And, and, I, and I suppose it was quite rightly so. We had a really young team, um, really inexperienced team and obviously coming in as a new guy to find some sort of understanding of what the death was like. But this year I'm, I'm a lot more confident. You know, we've had uh, a lot of those boys have stepped up to the plate. They've got some games under their belt. If I look at guys like Nick White, Jesse Mogg, those sort of players who came through from nothing, you know, obviously they're much more experienced. And then to get uh, the Wallaby incumbent captain to sign on the roster and and obviously be part of our squad in David Pocock is obviously massive for us. So, you know, we're not obviously making too many promises, but obviously a lot more confident this year.
3: We spoke earlier, Jake, about uh, David Pocock, his his effect on it uh, and you mentioned something that you told David uh, when he first came.
1: Yeah, well I mean, uh, I said to you and I think the bottom line is so much expectation for him, you know, as a young boy leading the force team I know that he was sitting on boards for selections of coaches and was there, you know, in terms of helping recruiting players and when I came across to Canberra I just said, listen David, I want you to enjoy your rugby again, I want you to have fun. You know, the reality is that's why you play rugby so don't worry about all the other things, Just." do what you've been doing in the first place and that's enjoying your rugby so hopefully that sort of trigger is going to bring the best out of David Pocock this season.
3: One of the many feel good stories in and around uh, the Brumbies this year is is Clyde Rathbone, Uh, he's going to be an asset for you isn't he?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think one thing I learned last year was just how long the season is, you know, when you get up to uh, August, you know, we played Wales last year, this week we got the British and Irish Lions, and, and when you look at the, the sort of task that you've got to get in terms of week in and week out rugby, it's not only what he does on the field, it's just about helping the juniors get themselves ready for games and understanding what's, what's awaiting them. So, you know, I've no doubt that with all the experience he has, that he's going to be a massive asset for us both on and off the field. The
3: surprise element was uh, was big in 2012. What uh, what have you got on the plate for, for 2013?
1: Look, I think what, what we'll try and do is just learn from the, the 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 I wouldn't say the the mistakes, but more the lessons we learned last year. You know, if we can if we can build on the lessons we we learned in terms of how to close a game off, or how close we were to playoffs, or you know, winning away from home which were successful stories and we can actually just get those things in order, you know, in terms of things that we did on the field, so, you know, young boys who made mistakes, not because they didn't, you know, because they, because, I suppose just because they were probably not used to the pressure, I'm hoping that that sort of cohesion and everything happens by, by itself, because they will obviously get more confidence now they've played together and I'm just hoping that, you know, when that cohesive unit starts to click, that we can get it right before the other teams start getting it right.
3: Uh, in 2013 the British Irish Lions, huge part of the year uh, including the uh, the match against the Brumbies in, uh, in Canberra just before that first uh, first test match, uh, uh, what are your thoughts about that one, a bit of an honour to play them though isn't it?
1: Fantastic honour and I mean I know that in, in the club we, in the Brumbies a lot of boys have spoken about who's playing and who's eligible and you know and, and that sends the right message out because it means that everyone that's part of the group wants to be part of that fixture but you know, I think that one of the things that's exciting for us is we play them four days before the first Test match, and I think at that stage, there's obviously going to be a lot of hype in the going into the first Test, and who knows, you know, maybe a couple of uh, you know Wallaby selectors and Wallaby coaches will be really hoping that we can get some things right just before the first Test match and put a bit of pressure on them before they kick off in the first run.
3: The Australian Conference, I think, is uh, going to toughen up this year. What are your thoughts uh, about that? Uh, the Reds obviously will be a danger. The Waratahs are, uh, I think, be well corralled by uh, by Michael Checker and uh, Rebels, obviously, with Higginbotham there. And uh, over in the Force, a new coaching
1: team. So it's not going to be an easy an easy go, as as you know, winning the Australian Conference look i don 't think winning any conference is easy. you know People spoke about last year that you know Aussie Conference was the weakest, and I, I suppose unfairly so because the reality is the derby games in in Australia are no no less uh, ferocious than they are in, in South Africa and New Zealand but you know i 'm glad that the other teams will step up and, and improve and i and 'm saying that from the point of view that I think it 's healthy for Australian rugby you know I think Cheka has got a great record he 's done well overseas you know talk is that he 's obviously shaken the tree a bit and got them you know, obviously to, to work a bit harder, um, you know, I've no doubt that the, the, the sort of season Michael Foley had last year, he'll make sure that he doesn't want to repeat that, so he'll go with some renewed energy into the force campaign and and as you know, that as you quite rightly say, you know, Higginbotham, O'Connor and Beale playing for the Rebels, are obviously going to be a force as well, so, you know, I, I, the boys came back from a Wallaby camp the other day and said that the, the sort of talk is that all the franchises are working really hard and talk is a lot of people are are doing some things that the Brumbies did well last year and you know that's pleasing for me because what that means is that you know the the Brumbies of old were trendsetters The Brumbies of old were leaders in in rugby in in Australia and if it means that other teams are taking us seriously and they're doing things that work for us well then you know then at least we know we're on the right track.
3: Is the formula to make the finals uh, win all your home games and then jag a few on the road?
1: Yeah, look, I mean you say that because the reality is we probably had the most successful away record than any other team last year and we still didn't make the playoffs so, you know, I, I think you'd like to believe that home games are, are non-negotiable but in this competition it's so tough, you know, I mean who knows what, what, what team you're playing from week to week, you know, if you look at the Rebels getting over the Crusaders, you know, the Blues were nowhere there to place in the last game, nothing to lose ended up beating us to knock us out of the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't think it's as cut and dried about winning home games and trying to get one or two results. I think you've got to prepare every game to get a result and, and, and as we know, I mean, what counted against us is we, we had one less win than the Reds did we ended up getting knocked out of the competition. So I think you've got to take every game on merit and try and just get a win every time you run out.
3: Huge year for the Wallabies, uh, this series against the Lions, into the Rugby Championship. Uh, a lot of pressure on, uh, on Robbie Deans, how do you think they're, they're going to land?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think unfairly so on Robbie. I think, to be fair, he's ranked two or three in the world consistently since he's been the coach. He's beaten everybody, you know, more times than they've beaten him uh, except for New Zealand, but that goes without saying. They've been the trendsetters in World Rugby and, you know, it is a big year and I suppose at the end of the day, which is quite exciting, is it looks like if all five franchises have, have improved their programmes and the players look like they've been sort of looked after and trained harder, then things bode well for Robbie. So. You know, great year. Only, the Lions only come one every twelve years. It's fantastic that the series is going to be. It's probably what Australian rugby needs—a little bit of a harp this year. And you know, hopefully they'll step up to the plate and do well in the Lions series and also well in the Rugby Championship.
3: A, a lot of talk here in Australia about uh, about uh, the style of football played, uh,
1: as well as winning. You have got to win well and win with style. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Look, I mean, I suppose again, it's how you work it out. But I've never met an Aussie who doesn't like winning. You know. So I think first things first, let's win. You know, and. Uh, doesn't matter which team you're coaching just make sure you get a result first the 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 sort of the the flair and the excitement and all the expansion and whatever I'm talking about and the entertainment factor comes when you're winning you know I think everything else uh, is a byproduct. so yeah I mean Aussies love winning and I think at the end of the day it's about getting a result so you know I, I suppose in a lot of ways Aussies are a bit spoiled in that they've got so many sports to choose from you know if you live in Sydney you've got rugby league you've got cricket you've got football you've got rugby union you can go to the you know obviously go and play, you know, with the boats on the water and, and do water skiing and all that sort of thing. So I suppose when you've got so many activities, it is a bit of a challenge, but I'd still say that Australians like winning, and at the end of the day, it's about getting a result.
3: Jake White, good luck for the Brumbies in two thirteen and uh, we'll see you soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Casho.
0: Thank you. So there is Casho, Jake White. Uh, great interview, by the way, and uh, he looks pretty slender
3: up against you. Yes, yes, he does, Bronk. At, uh, at this particular point in time, listen, I uh, I should be doing a bit more yoga than I'm doing at the moment. So, uh, listen, Jake came up with some uh, some real good observations about uh, about the Australian conference, about the pressure on Robbie Deans and varying other things in and around the Super Rugby scene. He's certainly been a great addition to the Australian coaches and great for the Brumbies to actually. Uh, Bring them, uh, bring them up the, uh, up the highway to uh, chat around with thus tops.
0: Well, they're my tip actually to be the best Australian team uh, in the conference in 2013. I just think uh, with the way they've recruited and, they, and they've brought through their young players, I really enjoy that. Um, seeing a franchise that uh, promotes youth and they've discovered a lot of great fly halves, haven't they? And uh, I just hope that uh, they get the benefits of that too.
3: And, of course, uh, Clyde Rathbone probably be available after the first couple of weeks of the season. So uh, injecting that, uh, that experience, that dynamism that, uh, that he'll bring to the field is going to be vitally important. Holy cow, he is strong. I mean, you'll see the pictures in this uh, upcoming magazine,
0: but he's unbelievably strong. His training ethic is second to none. I don't think I've seen anyone as powerful as him in the gym. And if he can get back on the paddock, he was one of the most destructive runners I've ever seen.
3: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, long association with Jake White, uh, Clyde Rathbone, yeah. through, through from the uh, South African under-21s and uh, his, uh, his migration here to Australia from South Africa. And, uh, listen, uh, wall- wallaby test caps, uh, you know, uh, good times down there at the Brumbies and uh, he hit some dark times and he's back now and that's great to see. And, Cashew, one of the great things I like about rugby is its characters, and one of the greatest characters of them all, and he's a bloody good coach too, is Bobby Dwyer. Of course, our first Rugby World Cup winning coach, Bob. Uh, he's been there, done that, you know, uh, Randwick first grade premierships. Uh uh, Rugby World Cup wins, Splitterslow Cup wins, you name know, it, Bob's done it and uh, great to see that he's uh, he's got a second jag at life. <laughs> Certainly, he had a cardiac arrest at the start of January, he's still with us,
0: he's 72 years of age, his wife Ruth took him to hospital, a very smart thing to do and doctors saved him, saved him at Barrel Hospital and he's been powering on ever since. I went down to his home at the Southern Highlands and spoke to Bob and
2: Ruth about his road to recovery.
0: All right, Bob, well, thanks very much for your time. Firstly, it's good
2: to see you. You're looking pretty uh, good. How are you feeling? I'm pleased I'm here in person, not just a, an old photo of me. Um, I'm feeling fine. Um, quite surprising, actually. It's almost a surreal experience. Uh, it's as if nothing... It's pretty well as if nothing's ever happened to me. Was it frightening? Um, well, it's not frightening because you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit uh, off-putting looking back at it, and I suppose the only difference in the way I feel is I'm a bit apprehensive about the way I feel. If in the past, if I felt, you know, slightly bit of a twinge here or there, which my age you're bound to feel. Um, then I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, now I think, oh, I wonder if that's important. Um, so that's about the only difference. So I guess I'll get over that um, in the near future. And I suppose the one thing that's different is I get tired quickly.
0: Well, Bob, you're a pretty active, ma'am. Ruth, uh, given your background in, in the medical industry, I, I guess uh, uh, you played a crucial part. Tell us what happened on the day.
4: Well, I don't think it was my medical background that that, um, made me realise Bob was not well. When he came into the bedroom and said, I really don't feel well, and he never complains about not feeling well, so I thought, well, we need to go to the doctor. And it was only lucky that it was too early for the doctor to be open, so I thought I'll take him to the hospital. And um, looking back, maybe it wasn't the smartest thing to do because something might have happened on the way. But um, anyway, it was very lucky in the end. And the people at Barrel Hospital, the staff in the emergency department, were unbelievably fantastic, professional, and um, and caring. They like they came to see me after the after the incident and um, explained everything in great detail. So I thought they were very good. They were the heroes of the day, that's <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, timing. You talked about timing, but uh, and as Bob said on the phone when the arrest happened, it happened at the hospital. So, yep. I mean, unlucky to have it, but still yes. lucky where it happened. couldn't
4: have been in a better place, yeah. He, um, and, and not only were we in a good place, but he was all um, wired up with all the monitors and he had um, an intravenous line in, so they could do things to him straight away without having to fuss about, uh, you know, mechanical things. Um, so, yeah, it was really very lucky. It's, it makes me, every time I think about it, my heart gives a flutter because it was fairly traumatic at the time. I was standing next to him when it happened.
0: So, um, You obviously owe Ruth a lot, just because Ruth is Ruth. But, well, just on the day, was she calm? Take us through it.
2: Well, she stays calm in a crisis always, um, which is pretty good. And I think for the most part I, I do as well. But I, I, I was completely calm on this occasion because I'm on the bed, um, hooked up to the monitor. And as Ruth said, the nurses um, were extremely competent and professional, but at the same time caring and supportive. Um, And then the doctor arrived and he was talking to me about the way I'd felt. And I already had the defibrillator um, contacts attached to my chest. And while I was talking to to him, I suddenly felt very dizzy. And I said, um, I feel really dizzy dizzy and I don't even know whether I got the word out but everything went absolutely as black as ink. And then next thing I remember I came to and I felt quite awake and lucid and the doctor said something like nice of you to rejoin us or come back, Uh, nice to see you back again or something like that and I said "Uh, uh, did I faint? And he said no not really, you uh, you, you, your heart arrested. Mm, that's not too, that's not too flash, Um, but I felt, I felt normal. Ruth, uh, how's he getting on?
0: Have you seen, are you surprised by his improvement?
4: Um, Well, um, I was surprised initially when I saw him, I followed the ambulance to Liverpool and I saw him in Liverpool Hospital and then he went away and had the uh, angiogram and the stent put in and when he came back he was asking um, if he could have a TV for the cricket and when I left, he was sitting up doing his Sudoku. And I thought, well, nothing's changed. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's had this little episode and it's uh, back to normal straight away. Uh, and then ever since then, he's he's been hard to, uh, not hard to restrain, but I've had to sort of say, no, you can't do that. No, you have to have a sleep in the afternoon. And he's been a pretty good patient, actually. Um, he does do as he's told sometimes.
2: hey Ed. Um, I, I would have thought i am um no, not at the moment, but I would have thought normally I'm a pretty ordinary patient yeah. because I, I normally think, righto, that's over and done with, I'm fixed now, now it's back to normal. But because it, f- it felt surreal, like it's a pretty unusual thing to think that like, uh, for a very short period of time, and only a very short period of time, I, I was technically dead.
3: Like
2: How are you alive and then dead and then alive again? That's a, hard thing to, that's a hard thing to get through your brain. I, I know it's true, but it's hard for me to absorb that because I don't really feel as if anything happened. I remember that small incident and I remember the lack of control. I think, and I've, I said it straight after, so I think it must be accurate, I felt like I was behind the wheel of a car, but I had no control out of it, it was going out of control but it must have been only for a very short period of time, a second or a split second or something. Um, so I remember all that, but that was such a minor, minuscule period of time, It's as if, it's as if it didn't happen.
0: What's the response been like um, around the world
2: um, and has it been heartwarming to use it? To... <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to think that a lot of people were concerned about my health. That's for sure. I'm actually astonished at the world of communications how quickly the information got around the world. Because the following day, um, there were inquiries from various parts of the world, um, New York, USA, but specifically New York, for a couple, um, France, um, the UK, South Africa, um, and obviously heaps around uh, Australia. So. obviously i didn't think it was that important to everyone else i thought it was pretty important to us um so it's uh it's very nice to think that other people are concerned that something might have happened to me
0: are you going to keep your hand in rugby and <laughs> you're going to continue the coach you, know, you do dabble a fair bit still
2: yeah i do yesterday was um how soon i'll be able to get back onto to the rugby pitch when when, when I, I coach, I'm not one of those coaches that stand on the sideline. I'm, I'm, I coach from in amongst them. So I use a fair bit of energy um, when I'm coaching, so I need to be a bit careful. Uh, I I've post, I did have one, um, one uh, rugby camp early in February, which he said, no, that's a bit too soon, so I'm about to try and uh, move that for a month, and he thought early March might be alright for that. So, I'll, I'll play that by ear and see if I can reorganise that. And I, I do want to stay close to rugby because um, it's fantastic to be involved closely, I'm not as closely as I was, clearly, but to be involved in something that you love so and interests me greatly. It occupies me physically, but it also occupies me mentally. And I do have a need to be occupied. I think I actually have a need to be needed, um, which I don't know that I've ever expressed before, but I think I do. Um, Maybe everyone does. So uh, I do want to be involved, yeah. So I I would have thought that as soon as the Six Nations begin, I'll be writing again on on the game. Um, And the. Uh, super Rugby starts about the same time, so I'll be writing about that as well. And uh, so, I'm, and I figure that I'll be back on the paddock in um, early March.
3: So
0: cheers, Bob's Good cheers, to see Bob. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> he's still great. around. How fun! He's pretty funny, isn't he? I mean, he's on death's door, and I love the quote. I love the quote about um, you know. I mean, why how can you be alive, dead, then alive again? I mean. <laughs> It is a bit freaky, isn't it? But uh, only Bob can
3: say it the way he does. And uh, Bob also was saying there, Bronk, throughout the interview, that uh, listen, he's uh, he's got a couple of coaching camps sort of coming up, and he's uh, he's had to postpone postpartum for a couple of weeks, and uh, mate, that says something about the work ethic of the guy and the fact that he's out there still contributing. And uh, as he said, he still wants to be needed, and I think he definitely is on the Australian rugby scene.
0: I love that. Just a couple of weeks delayed, Bobby Dwyer. So he's powering on. Uh, into 2013 and uh, look forward to reading his columns uh, on his side and and Green and Gold Rugby as well. They're bloody good uh, analysis pieces. And uh, he'll be, of course, a constant uh, guest uh, with us on the program and when he gets back on his feet we'll get him in here in the studio as well and break down a lot of games. So, Casho, we'll be catching up with Les Kiss uh, remotely uh, next week as well. Another big program coming up as we head into Six Nations Ireland. They've named a big squad and they've also got Brian O'Driscoll on the comeback uh,
3: campaign. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, Brian's coming back from that ankle injury and uh, sometimes they take a while to come right. Ultimate aim, obviously, is to be here in Australia with the British and Irish Lions. So we'll see where that ends and a lot of that story's going to be uh, unfolding throughout that Six Nations Championship. But uh, not only stuff happening in uh, in Ireland, Bronk. Uh, 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 the, uh the England squad's been announced, as, as has the Wales and, uh, and Scotland, uh, under the tutelage of uh, Scotty Johnson. So it's all happening.
0: Yeah, Scotty Johnson had to uh, step up to the plate after Andy Robinson was let go. Uh, still a shame, I think, because he was doing a pretty good job there. Uh, with limited resources and uh, always uh, had plenty of time for us and Rugged Matrix. But uh, obviously Six Nations uh, heading into the Lions series is pretty huge. Uh, We will also catch up with some other super rugby teams uh, in the very near future. Check in with Michael Checker again, uh, Ewan McKenzie, uh, and our good friend Adam Fryer down south and Brett Sheen over the west as well as the other teams in New Zealand and South Africa. So there's plenty to cover over the coming weeks. We'll have our tighter shows coming out uh, hopefully every Tuesday night in the southern hemisphere or in uh, the uh, time zone up and down the eastern seaboard of Australia. So we've got plenty to look forward to. Uh, Casho, did you want to bring up any other points uh, before we say goodbye?
3: No, listen, I was just uh, impressed with that lineup, Bronx, and it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting year. As you said, British and Irish lines, the main focus in the rugby world uh, during 2013. Uh, nine games here in Australia, the, uh, the game against the Barbarians in Hong Kong, three absolutely cracking tests, culminating with the, the game here in Sydney. Up to 25,000 supporters out here for the British uh, and Irish Lions. The sea of red, it's an absolute cracker of a year. So let's get into it really big time.
0: Absolutely, mate. Uh, don't forget uh, Rugger Matrix International is still brought to you by the uh, Rugby Annual, courtesy of Mark Cashman at ACP Magazines. The great thing is here you can buy this online. You can view it online as well. So uh, make sure you check it out. There's a link on the site for it. Uh, and, of course, Strike. Uh, long-term sponsors of the program, and we're happy to have them on board as usual. And uh, don't forget, if you go to strike.com.au, enter the code Matrix you'll get 10% off, and they sell all sorts of things. You can plug your iPhone, iPhone 4S or 5 or whatever you got, probably one of these as well, the uh, iPad mini, um, whatever you want, Uh, check them out at strike.com.au. Uh, Casho, that is it for the program. Thanks for coming in tonight. Uh, A note on the club show, it will resume next week as well. So we are powering ahead with the club rugby program uh, for the Shoot Shield in Australia. And we'll have plenty of time to review all the teams as we head into the competition for season 2013. And I know as you being a crazy um, (laughs) Norse man, you're looking forward to the season. But guess what? Ramwick's on the way back. I'm hearing some good stuff. And I think Bobby, will still be in command at the top there as well too. So Bobby Dwight will never say goodbye to Randwick.
3: No, there's some good people involved with Randwick now. Bronk and uh, Simon Porte taking a, uh, a leading hand Stephen in, in a lot of it. Stephen Halls and a lot of their uh, administration and coaching. And uh, listen, they'll 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 come back. Bit of a horror year in 2012, but 2013. There's a lot of positives out there for rugby, so let's uh, make the most of it.
0: And we'll be catching in, as we indicated before the end of last year, with our American um, friends, Bruce McLean, uh, Alex Goff, uh, and the rest of the guys uh, in the Rugger Matrix uh, world of America. And uh, they're doing a great job to audio at the moment for them still, uh, but we are looking at uh, trying to get them on video as well. I Actually, a, I know it's not a bit scary with Bruce, but uh, look, you know, maybe we can put a bit of vaso on the lens, to soften it up a bit.
3: Well, people cop me, Bronx, so that's okay. But that's true. Uh, I'm not sure if Bruce was at the uh, Obama inauguration up there in Washington. I'm not sure if, if he's one of their biggest fans, but uh, listen, a big cheerio to uh, big Brucey out there.
0: Now, what about this on the screen? This photo I took the other day of you and your brother, Greg Clark, your thinner,
3: more svelte brother, Greg Greg Clark, were you two
0: guys separated at birth? Have a look at that.
3: Mate, it must be something like that, but uh, you'd say, uh, looking at that photo, that I'm Greg Clark's (laughs) big brother, in many ways. (laughs) Well mate, good to see you. Well done. Thanks, Bro.
0: Mark Cashman joining us uh, for episode 159. Hope you enjoyed our chats with Jake White and of course uh, Bob Dwyer and Ruth Dwyer. How good is the the man? And let's hope he uh, continues his road to recovery and we'll get him in the studio very soon. That's it for show one five nine. We'll speak to you next week when we'll go to the northern hemisphere and check in with Les Kiss, all things Six Nations, and of course Heineken Cup. Stay classy, (laughs) Bronk. Cheers, mate. Mm.